Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Hold the cups and glasses at home. You can smash them now. David Beckham has scored for England. Oh, this is getting better and better and better. One, two, three for Michael Owen. And Kevin Keegan really has the look of resignation on his face. I don't mean his job position, just about this game. What other way to start the show would there be than to give the tribute to the great man that was John Motson? So many iconic commentary moments. The soundtrack to, I think, all of us, the child, our childhood of watching football. So before we talk about him a little bit more, we just want to say thank you, Motti. It was incredible. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey Rory, it's been quite an emotional few days, it has to be said. Uh, We've both got our reasons, but more importantly, mate, how are you? I am good. Um, Yeah, not bad. I think this week is super long and I'm super tired, guys, because as you're (laughs) going to realise, I was at the San Siro last night and that is always a taxing experience, especially when the football isn't great. Um, But yeah, a little bit tired today, but I'm good. Looking forward to this weekend. Looking forward to watching the mighty Arsenal again and dissecting them mm. quite some exciting Champions League football, yeah. um, depending which team you support. I think uh, maybe UK-based uh, viewers might have been switching off at half-time in a few cases, <laughs> but the Continentals were much happier. Um, Adam, how's your week been? How are we feeling? Uh, yeah, I think it's going through peaks and troughs, it has to be said. Um, as I said on Monday's kind of live stream, Yes, unfortunately, the news did transpire that Gareth Ainsworth did leave the club and he pretty much had me bawling my eyes out uh, with Mm. the emotional videos that came out um, as I spoke to you offline. I had to pause the video just to get my composure back to watch the rest of it because it was one that really did pull on the heartstrings. But yes, I'm glad the weekend is upon us. And as you say some fantastic football to talk about, including that incredible performance by Napoli, which we'll be purring about, I'm sure, at some point. Um, but yeah, 
let, let's talk about like what was your story of the week anyway, Rory? So for me, it was the Swedish Nash, uh, international. I think a lot of people would have seen this video, but he plays for Watford, Ken Seema. Mm. Um, his post-match interview, and he's quite clearly got like a stutter or a stammer, yeah. and he's speaking very eloquently in his second language mm. with a stammer. And I just feel like it's an incredibly... Like it's a really, really beautiful to see. Now, when I was younger, like a young kid, I, I had a stammer for a while, and I remember it took a long time to kind of get over it. And even now, at times when I'm nervous or at mm -hmm. odd moments, I'll, I'll just get it'll get caught in my chest, and I like can't right. quite say what I want to say. Um, so when I see someone like in their second language doing like the post match <laughs> yeah. interview on TV and still speaking so eloquently, I just find it incredible. And like even players like Luke Ayling as well for Leeds mm -hmm. is another one. Yeah, who, yeah. Um, he, I like now in his interviews, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd really notice, but the no. fact that he's even willing or both of them are willing to go out there and put themselves on that platform because yeah. you know that like the internet and Twitter can be a pretty brutal place and people tend to not really give anything give any kind yeah, of so yeah, i yeah. think to, to be willing to put yourself up on that platform and do it is just hats off to you i just find it really really a beautiful video to watch so yeah fair play ken you've definitely got yourself another fan i'll be honest <laughs> definitely got yourself <laughs> another fan um if you've not seen it definitely check it out it's a really, yeah. really beautiful video um what about you it's gonna have to be gareth ainsworth i imagine right we need to talk about it yeah it was kind of expected should we say after monday's kind of announcements it seems like it was on the cards i was still praying rory i think i was every kind of minute just scrolling my twitter feed down mm. just to refresh it just to see if there was anything that was coming out and then we had the cryptic kind of one picture tweet from wicker wonders which was the corner flag gray clouds oh. over the stage in which was like oh no here it's coming it's yeah. coming and then the news came out. So, uh, yeah, it's fair to sh say, I think the media team did a fantastic job of um, just showing, like, how the day kind of progressed. And, um, yeah, I, I have to say the one video where it had both his assistant, Richard Dobson, as well as Gareth Ainsworth on the sofa doing their last interview for the club had me kind of in appreciation, but you could also see how much the decision was hard for them as well because just to add context his assistant rich dobson's been at the club since we had a youth academy so he's brought up the likes of jordan ibe we've even got a current oh, okay. player that he said in the interview that he brought him into the club when he was just 14 years old so he says to see him at 28 playing for us is just incredible <laughs> like just yeah. Those are yeah. the things that you don't appreciate maybe until you are that kind of person that progresses on yourself. But yeah, it just made me appreciate how much they put into the club, how much they care for the club. That was very mm -hmm. evident. And I was saying to you offline, I don't think maybe Premier League fans normally have that kind of appreciation mm -hmm. because they see players and managers move so frequently that they don't maybe necessarily build these attachments as long yeah. as we we have as Wickham fans. So, yeah, blessed that we had such an amazing manager and it's going to be a tough act to follow. We brought in a ex-footballer of the club. He's called Matt Bloomfield, player that's played 556 appearances for us. He was part of Gareth Ainsworth's coaching team at the beginning of the season before he left for Colchester. Got four and a half months there before he came back to us. Jesus. So, uh 
yeah, good kind of omen for him because he's reflected that he's learned a hell of a lot from that experience that he wouldn't have gained maybe if he mm -hmm. was on the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So incredible for him. Um, but he's got the inevitable task of, I suppose, following those footsteps and trying to progress this team, which is in a very promising position at the moment, just outside the playoffs. Um and I think we're just the outsiders as it currently stands in terms of we're not favoured to be in the playoffs, but certainly a lot of people would say if we were in a playoff mix, then it wouldn't be begrudgingly. It would be because yeah. we've got a good squad. Um, but yeah, I think there, there is a bit of optimism and pessimism amongst the fans at the moment because they appreciate he's not experienced like Gareth Ainsworth, but he has the kind of determination to do his best for the club mm. so it's going to be an interesting time i suppose it's a bit like an old favorite crew that's been placed into that mix after dario grady and you just this don't is, know what it's going to be like right? yeah this is exclusively the alex's recruitment policy basically it's like <laughs> recruit from within and it's kind of causing problems within the alex fan base yeah. it's like do you want to approach anyone from outside but i think like with wickham do you think it's a positive that like because if you look at like the era's so let's say like Sir Alex or Arsene Wenger or mm. Shankly or Busby, when these people were trying, when they were replaced, they were kind of bringing people from the outside in, right? The only people yeah. who didn't were Liverpool and it kind of, it, it worked really well because it was someone who was yeah, familiar yeah, with the club and it continued. Do you think the fact that Matt Bloomfield has worked with Ainsworth and is so familiar with the club, do you think that that's something that could work, make the transition a little bit smoother rather than someone from outside just coming in and, I think it will buy him time in terms of he's a fan's favourite. So from okay. that point of view, he's got legendary status for that reason. Um, <clears throat> I think what we might be sceptical about is what he will bring in terms of anything different, anything fresh. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I think the fact that he's had exposure at different club like Colchester um, at a lower level as well. So he's mm -hmm. learned his trade, so to speak. I know it's only a really short stint to base it upon. Um, and I think it will be interesting... If we don't make the playoffs, which is quite possible, you know, what does he do next season? Because there'll be yeah, a few yeah. players that were due out of contract, for example. Will they stay with him? Will they move on? And who will he bring in? Because that's going mm -hmm. to be the testing point. Because what Gareth Ainsworth was really good at was the recruitment. He kind of yeah, got players yeah, yeah. that may have fallen on the wayside because of other personal issues or they were just isolated by clubs yeah. so the wrong you know, person at the wrong place or the wrong time exactly. or yeah and he just yeah. built them up and that was the kind of uniqueness of gareth ainsworth and i think it'll be interesting to see how he transitions at qpr where mm -hmm. obviously they've got a bit more budget in comparison and you know this is probably why they've hired him into it a respect yeah. because i think they've got to get a bit more sensible with that transfer spend shall we say and he's going to bring in the right type of people. And I probably mm -hmm. would say Alex from Mon Sportif will probably reflect when he's listening to this, potentially. Um, it reminds me of when Neil Warlock went into QPR. Because okay. he got players that like fought for the club. And ultimately, that season, he got them up. So yeah, 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 know, he did. with Gareth Ainsworth, I can definitely see him doing that. And if he doesn't, he'll probably get them to a respectable position before, dare I say it to Alex, he might get nabbed by a Premier League club yeah, eventually yeah, yeah. again. So I think he's got good groundings. He's learned a hell of a lot. He understands the finances of a club. So he, mm -hmm. he, he learned that from Wickham. He'll bring that into QPR and wherever he goes in the future, he'll be adored. Uh, that's all I can say. He'll be adored, yeah. apart from Sheffield United fans, because of a incident when he was a player. 
Um, okay. They they keep on reminding us about it, but that's that's all. It's Dane Whitehouse, <laughs> just to remind listeners if they want to research it. Apparently, he's done a really bad foul on the player that made him retire from the game. Oh wow! I've not been able to ever see the clip. It sounds like it was pretty horrific. However, oh, I don't think Gareth Ainsworth meant it. But he's there's not no welcome. video, no evidence. He's not welcome no on that side no of Sheffield, should we say? He's welcome at Wednesday. He's not welcome yeah. at United. Yeah, Let's yeah. put it that way. I so, think that's yeah. fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. We'll be keeping an eye on Gareth Ainsworth yeah. and QPR from now on. I think, and just mentioning it every so often, seeing how he how he gets on. It's a big risk for him, I think. As you said, QPR is a bit of a yeah. basket case. It is a ballsy move. I'm kind of getting vibes of Graham Potter to Chelsea. That kind of vibe, if you know what I mean. Like it's a big. <laughs> Big risk he's taking, yeah. but I hope it goes well for him. I really hope it goes exactly. well for him and for QPR fans as well. Um, but before we move on, mm. we do need to very quickly just give a bit of a tribute. We opened the show with it, but a bit exactly. of a tribute to John Motson. Unfortunately and sadly, um, passed mm-hmm. away today as we're recording at the age of 77. I It was, again, one of those like moments where it just kind of hits you more than you think it's going to hit you. Um, yeah. And then today I was thinking about it and it is like every memory I have of watching football as a kid pretty Mm. much has his voice on it. So whether it's watching match of the day or World Cup coverage, European Championships coverage, everything that was on, obviously, like free to air on BBC, his was the voice you heard. Um, I Like there are so many iconic lines and people are going to be talking about the iconic lines. All that, like I just... I used to love how enthusiastic and carried away he got. So when his voice would go quite high pitch and you could tell that he was like genuinely, absolutely loving what was happening in front of him. And I just always enjoyed that enthusiasm that he let kind of, that he let himself feel. He let himself get enthusiastic. He let himself express it. And I feel like as a kid, you're like, oh, he cares about this and he's enjoying this as much as I do. And I always loved that about him. Um, do you have any kind of particular memories or you know of Motson and growing up alongside yeah, him? Yeah, definitely. I think obviously the famous one is where he's at Wick and Wonders in a sheepskin jacket mm-hmm. and it's snow around him and it gets cancelled. The game is famously <laughs> yeah. the FA Cup tied at Wickham are due to play Coventry City that day mm-hmm. and it gets postponed because of the weather. So, um, that was kind of classed as the giant killers game because it was Martin O'Neill's team versus a Premier League side at the time, which was, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we didn't win that tie, but it came very close because it went into a replay. Um, But that said, that's the famous kind of image you have of John Mm -hmm. Monson, which I shared on our, obviously, Instagram account, basically. But the other thing that I do remember, as you allude to, is just the sounds. Like, And towards the end, you could tell he was getting a bit more senile because he was missing things and he wasn't literally seeing it for the thing it was. However, you still loved him. You still loved the fact that even if he got it wrong, you kind of forgave him because he was like your granddad that was kind of... Yeah, he had credit in... He had plenty of credit in the bank. Plenty of credit in the bank. But I think what's beautiful is when you hear the stories of what he did for fellow you know, commentators, you know, mm-hmm. people that aspire to be him as well. And he just passed on his wisdom. Um, there's a f- um, good uh, kind of story by Alan Parry, who apparently took over his role at BBC Radio um, when he went to Match of the Day. Okay. And he said he couldn't have been more accommodating, sharing his wisdom and what to do, like how to play it, etc. And he just spent time with him. And wow. that's the thing that you, you just know that he was that kind of really gentle-hearted person 
But in terms of the sounds, I think the famous one that still alludes with me to this day, and I don't know why it is, Rory, and it's an Arsenal link, it is the tie where you play Sheffield United and Seaman does that famous scoop behind yeah. him. And it goes, what a save! Like, and he, <laughs> yeah. I, I associate that with um, FIFA as well, because when he was brought onto the FIFAs as well, yeah. like, I remember him saying those kind of things. And that, for, for some reason, I don't know why it is that particular moment, but he says that line and it kind of like, oh, you get like yeah. goosebumps over it. And like thinking about even some of the things that he's done more recently. Like I remember some of the ties that he covered for Wickham, but just generally even the Premier League mm. ones, you know, you always yeah. hear that little echo sometimes in the match of the day theme tune as well sometimes. And it's yeah. all about Motson. And I think he's just etched in terms of the history of UK broadcasting when it comes to football. Um I think that's that's a problem though. It feels like it's a dying breed. Like yeah. I don't know about you, but we I don't think we'll get those greats that we used to refer to now. What would you think? No, about the only Watson as well. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's becoming less of an art. Maybe it's becoming less of an art form because a lot of these people would have had to start working in radio and then get into TV. And then on yeah. radio, obviously, you have to be able to express yourself more because people can't see the bloody game. But because people don't <laughs> listen to radio as much anymore, you don't have to be as expressive because people are watching the game. You don't have to be like as... It's just a completely different thing. So I think maybe we're losing something along the way there. But I think the current, like, there are still commentators today that I really like. Yeah, of and course. Yeah. Like, when they retire or whatever in the future, we'll be going, oh, Peter Drury, that guy, I absolutely love. Like, he's a he's a poet, and I will not like have a bad word say it said against him. But I think, yeah, Motson, it's part of a kind of, it's just the, the older generation, isn't it? It's the older generation. Yeah. But it's incredibly sad news, and our thoughts are with his family and friends at this time. Mm. Yeah. That's it, really. That's all we can say. Uh, sad news. But, guys, we are now going to go to our Euro review. We're going to be talking Champions League. Liverpool getting embarrassed at home. We're going to be talking Napoli making light work of Frankfurt. We're going to be talking San Siro and how much of the mm-hmm. game I can remember. And then a very <laughs> little bit on Man City against RB Leipzig. We're, of course, going to sprinkle in a little bit Europa League and Conference League while we are at it. But, guys, mm-hmm. we will see you on the other side. Here we are. It is Euro review time, and there was lots of Champions League action, some spicy encounters, 
and we are only going to start in one place, or there's only one place for us to start, and that is in the northwest of England, in Merseyside, at Anfield, <laughs> as Real Madrid, after a very shaky start, and me thinking, mm. oh, hello, Liverpool have woken up. That <laughs> famous atmosphere at Anfield is dragging them through. Not quite. Real Madrid came back in some fashion, and Liverpool seemed like a shadow of them for, of their former selves. Let's go through the game kind of moment by moment, and yes. let's look at the first 20 minutes, Liverpool go 2-0 up. So, mm-hmm. the the second goal, absolutely gifted to them by Courtois, right? Of course it is, yeah. Huge, huge mistake. But for Liverpool to get the first goal, I thought they made a really good start. And I thought... Yes, yeah. And honestly, and looking back on it now, you're like, how quickly football comes at you. I was thinking, wow, Fabinho is having a really good game. I was like, Fabinho is absolutely killing it. I was like, he's winning the balls in midfield. He's like running about. He's getting his job done. Liverpool are absolutely dominating it. I was mm. like... Oh, okay, this Real Madrid midfield is like nothing. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. What did you make of Liverpool's <laughs> start before we get to Real Madrid? I thought it was genuinely very impressive. Genuinely impressive. Like, they were so fast out the tracks. They seemed to be attacking with intent down the wings. Uh, it was interesting seeing the lineup pre the kickoff as well, because Gatko seems to be playing through the centre as well, which was interesting because you obviously had Salah and Nunes to the side of him as well. Um, so, yeah, I thought, okay, they're trying something different. They're obviously seen a flaw potentially in Real Madrid's kind of game. But as you allude to, like, I think it was almost like Bambi and headlights kind of mm. moments because you're like, Jesus, where have they getting this? Like, after the second one, you're like, oh, my God, this could be annihilation here. This could be more than just 2-0 at this point because they were just so fluid. Yeah, but yeah. Rory, obviously, we have to then talk about how Real Madrid got themselves back into I, it. So I just want to very quickly give the credit to the first goal because yeah. the ball from Salah is absolutely fantastic. Ooh, yeah. Like a genuine, like you know, slide rule pass, unbelievable ball, and that finish from Nunez is filthy. Like there is no <laughs> reason for him to do that. It is incredible, and I think yeah, yeah. it was a moment where I was like. I felt a little bit vindicated for me consistently sticking up for Darwin Nunes and being like, that <laughs> guy is good. I felt vindicated. It was a really great goal. It was a great move. Mm-hmm. But it did make me think, oh, it's the first time I've heard of Mo Salah this season. Like, <laughs> it, like, And I think he may have scored against Arsenal, as I said that. I need to run through my mind. But I feel like he's obviously had an incredibly quiet season. Since he's signed this new contract, there's a lot of Liverpool fans who are noticing, like, oh, since you signed the new contract, you've not been as good. Yeah. Um, but I thought, again, this was another, like, the, the start of this game was a perform, was me, like, with Fabinho, where I was like, oh, God, yeah, Salah's killing it. This is the Salah we know and love. Like, this is what we want yeah. to see in. Like, absolutely tearing Real Madrid to pieces. But then... Yeah, Liverpool just let them in. Liverpool, that it's like that. That Madrid midfield is. I put it on our Twitter feed, and I was like, "Is this the mm. best midfield in the world?" Because I can't see a weakness between with Valverde, Modric, and Camavinga. They all are just such well-rounded midfielders, I know. and all three of them can do basically all things like they can all win the ball they can all pass they can all like beat a man they can all resist the press they can like all of them are just complete midfielders but yet they all have different roles in that midfield and they all execute the role so perfectly Valverde I could not believe how much that guy was running 
Yeah, it was the just pace. Like, and it was for 90 minutes, full pace, non-stop, just up and down the midfield. I was like, that guy has to stop at some point. Camavinga, <laughs> his the the attitude that he plays football with and just the like ease that everything comes to him. He never looks rushed, he never looks panicked. He just beats the man, gets the ball off, finds the space, and he's just He's incredible. How, like, the deal that Real Madrid got for Vinicius, people were like 45 million yeah, for 16 yeah. year old, now looks ridiculous. The amount of money they paid for Camavinga is gonna already looks like Nothing, the bargain in the yeah. century. I think it was 35 million they paid for him, right? Because it was yeah, his release yeah. clause. Unbelievable. Like, he's gonna be mm. one of the best midfielders in the world. The guy, you have to remind yourself, the guy's like 20. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. That's the worry. Like, he's still he's got at least 20 so years good. to go. Yeah. He's. <laughs> So good. And like that whole midfield. And then Modric for like, we'll get into the Real Madrid goals one by one. But I think it was the last goal maybe or the fourth one where Modric manages to break. He still shows pace. I know. He manages I to don't. get past two players and put the ball in. I was like, man, you're meant to be 39. Like Fabinho is now 45 by the looks of it. But Modric still looks 21. Like it's insane. It was an insane like. I just absolutely fell in love with that midfield performance. I was like, it was incredible. But what did you make? Like, how did Real Madrid get back into the game? And was it always inevitable? I don't know if it felt inevitable. I don't think it was inevitable, but like you allude to, I think there's almost this aura about Real Madrid that it doesn't matter what circumstance they're in, they always seem to bring themselves back into it because they know they've got the quality. And it was kind of, the, even last year, it was always a case of, don't worry, we've got Benzema. Benzema will score yeah. the goals. This, you know, and even this year, you're kind of seeing Modric. And there's a very funny story, as you allude to, about the midfield stuff. Modric wasn't due to play in this match. And it, it came about because Carlo Ancelotti was actually planning to have Tushimeni, but obviously he was mm. uh, injured for this particular match. Modric was coming back from an injury and he actually told Carlo, I'm, I'm playing in this match. And Carlo mm. went, okay. And it, that's that's apparently the story that happened. Carlo Ancelotti told the press that that was the actual story of how he oh. got into the squad, which is just like tells you all you need to know about that hierarchy. About both the of them, but, both of them as yeah. well. I love like even when two nil down or five two up, Carlo Ancelotti was just exactly the same with his drink, just like he was. He was. He was just, literally. He might as well have just had a cigar, like going. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We've got we've got this in we, the bag, basically. Yeah, we've you know who we are, bag. right? You know how we yeah. won the Champions League last year. It's almost like, like they probably fun. go in training. Right, guys, we're three 0 down. You've got thirty minutes now. Turn go. it around, basically. Yeah. Go. That's probably what they do. Scenario. Yeah. Thing. Um. But yeah, I, it was pretty much just the fact that I think they just knew what to do in that circumstance mm. and. Vinicius just seems incredible. I don't know about he's you, insane. but he seems to just increase that level from last season because I mm. thought, wow, he's going to be a hell of a talent. But this year, he looks even better. He looks incredible. And it was just, mm. I don't know about you, but it was almost like the Liverpool defence gave him too much respect. I yeah. felt there was just that little bit of a gap that allowed him to take that shot. And I think... There's an element of the midfield as well. We have to yeah. say, this is the area of where I think Liverpool needs to address, which is Henderson, obviously, or whoever's in that middle of the park. They do not get close enough. And that's mm -hmm. where they need to invest. And I was speaking to a Liverpool friend and he's like me, he just agrees. And the problem is, he, I said, I don't think Liverpool have got the money to spend in that area, if no. I'd be brutally honest. I think they have to sell. But he keeps on talking about Bellingham. And I was like, mate, 
don't there's, dream about Bellingham. Please don't. There's already the rumours that they're getting pipped. There's already rumours that Arsenal are now looking at him. Real Madrid are now looking at him and going, oh, we can afford more than that. And there's already the rumours yeah. are starting to come out that Liverpool aren't getting him now. It's, we said it on a few weeks ago's podcast saying they're putting mm. all their eggs in that basket and they need to have a few backup plans because I'm not sure he's just going to walk into Liverpool, especially if they don't get European football. I think they exactly. will get European football this season. I think they will. But if they don't, it makes it much harder for them. I think Definitely. you're right, though. With the midfield, it completely needs addressing. There was too much space. I felt kind of bad for Joe Gomez. I feel like he had a he had a terrible evening. He did have a terrible yeah. evening. And, but I think he got blamed for things that... All, he got blamed for everything then. Like, even I, the, yeah. the header for the, the Militao, the, the Militao goal. Yeah, nobody yeah. picks him up. Like, and, and I just saw someone going, oh, Joe Gomez, Joe Gomez lost it. Well, he runs past about four players, to be fair. <laughs> like, any one of them could have picked him up. Like, I think, yes, Joe Gomez had a, te- had a terrible evening, but so did Van Dyke, so did F- Fabinho, so did Henderson. Like, you can't, when the rest of the team are playing crap and letting so much space around, I think it seems unfair to pile it on a player who's already had a pretty, a pretty rough season. Like, yeah. so I think... Yeah, he had a terrible night, but Liverpool in general had a terrible night. It's just mad that it's the same personnel that last year finished. What did they finish last year? Second? Um, yeah, second, yeah. Like, and lost the lost the league on one point or goal difference, whatever it was. Like, And yeah. it's the same personnel. It's just the drop-off has been insane. And I think, mm-hmm. look, it's the most that Liverpool have conceded on a European night at Anfield, I think, or it's like a tie with the most. Um they do not do this badly at home in Europe often. And like I think the the atmosphere at Anfield on Champions League nights is fucking mad and it does make mm-hmm. an effect. You can see the results that they get there. But this team it just needs it needs to get to the end of this season. It just needs to get to the end of the season. And yeah, have a but I think yeah. any part of me that thought, you know, that was like, oh, you know, Napoli might win the Champions League. And then you see Real Madrid and you're like, oh, no, they're going to win it again, aren't they? It's theirs <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah, of course it's theirs. Yeah. They always win it. Um, it's just insanity how much they, um, they managed to cruise through this thing. And I am starting to build the uh, theory in my mind Okay. That Ancelotti is the best manager of all time. Now, I still need to put all the final pieces in place, but I'm going to basically, if anyone asks me, I'm just going to say Ancelotti is the greatest manager of all time. I think he's the only manager to have won all five major leagues. He doesn't have a definite style, which I think makes him a better manager because he doesn't have one style that he sticks to. He can like switch it up Adapts, and do whatever yeah. he likes. Um, and if he wins another Champions League with Real Madrid, he's already won them with AC Milan and Real Madrid yeah. before. Like, if he wins another one, like, I think there's very little argument. And I was talking to my um, Italian friends yesterday, and we were discussing the pros and cons of having Carlo uh, Carlo Ancelotti as the Italian national team manager at some point. And we decided we need to see that. It needs to happen. It needs. I think it will, but it sounds like he might go to Brazil. Did you you hear these rumors last week? Yeah, Yeah. we were talking about it. I was like, that's incredible. That'd be so sick. That'd Can you so imagine cool. that? I think he would actually enjoy himself down there, the Samba Beach it. as well. He'd absolutely it's like, love it. It's like going to like the, the 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 point that he has no definite style, right? It's not like oh, Carlo Ancelotti teams play like this. 
that's perfect for international management. You need to make the most out of what you've got. Yeah. And what Ancelotti does is make the most out of what he's got. You just walk into a squad and go, okay, he's good at that. He's good at that. He's got that system. Good. Right. There we go. Done. And like, I think international management, he would smash it out of the park. I think it would be, I just want him to do Real Madrid in Brazil at the same time. Like football manager <laughs> yeah. say, just do both. Just do both. It'd be great. It'd be unbelievable. I think it sounds though, like it could be good for all parties because Real Madrid, I think they fancy a rejuvenation of that squad and they fancy a change of manager, which is, sounds bizarre because they brought him in because they were struggling because they, they weren't winning bored. stuff. Real Madrid always just get bored Perez, too quickly. They? they just get it's bored. Perez. He's just Perez. thinking of new money yeah. schemes and he's thinking, oh, I can't make much money out of Carlo because he's just like an old guy. He can't really get into a bikini or anything like that. He can't really show <laughs> off his assets anymore in that way. So <laughs> we, we need a younger manager, basically, is what he's saying. But yeah, at the same time, I agree with you. I think, why should Carlo actually leave? Um but then maybe he fancies a new challenge as well, equally. Yeah. I mean, I think he's probably the only manager in the last decade that's actually got Everton to a higher position than they've ever been, right? I think mm-hmm. I may be mistaken on that, but... Um, I think he might have yeah. tied with Moyes, maybe. He might have gotten up. Moyes got him into top four once, didn't he? So maybe he got them up there anyway. Yeah. Um, and we've seen how down there they are now since he left. So, yeah, you can see how good a job <laughs> he was doing. But we do need to leave, We're going to move on from our loving yeah, of, of Carlo Ancelotti. Um, and we're going to continue in the Champions League. But we're staying in Italy. And we're talking about Napoli. Now, this, like, we were talking about it off mic. And you made a very yes. good point. The atmosphere in Frankfurt looked oh. unbelievable, as always. That's instantly been added to my bucket list of stadiums to go yeah. to now. I'm like, okay our german tour is dortmund and yeah frankfurt to start um it looked unbelievable right it was incredible and i couldn't hear the commentator at times because it was just that atmospheric mm-hmm. like the crowd was so willing on the team and it almost just got me to appreciate the Bundesliga a bit more. And it's like, because I've probably been putting it off for the last 12 months or so. I haven't mm-hmm. been really watching too many of the Bundesliga matches. But again, it's like, it just feels like it's such an exciting environment down there, mm-hmm. Frankfurt. And yeah, the players could not argue that they weren't G'd up by their fans because they were so up for it. But they came across an incredible Napoli side, Rory that just seemed to make it look so damn easy. And this, despite the fact that Frankfurt weren't terrible, they weren't bad on the night. And this is the thing, when you had Kim Jen Min being awarded as man of the match, that kind of goes a long way to tell you how the game went. And this, despite the brilliance of Kvara and Osiman and even Herving Lozano for that cross. I mean, ooh. Delightful. If only I could do that in football on a Wednesday night. Christ. That's all I can say. I think, I think I'd have a heart attack from shock <laughs> if I ever pulled something off that skillful or you know coordinated. I look. I think with and again we we were talking about him last night because everybody in this everybody in Italian football is obviously talking about Napoli at the minute, and we were talking about Napoli. Um, Tommy Tommy um made a very yeah. good point where he was like. In Napoli, you just see them, and then one minute they'll go, should we score now? Guys, are we scoring now? Yeah, okay, let's score. And then they just go bang, 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 and it's a goal. And it's like they just decided that's the moment they're going to win the game. That's the moment, like, okay, I'm Mm -hmm. bored of drawing now. Should we just do this? And then they just – and that – the goal with the the 
Kavana backheel that's going to be like hung in art galleries in the <laughs> Like it's just a beautiful backheel. It's so incredible. But that whole move is amazing. Oh, and you're just yeah. like Lobotka. I'm so glad I got stocks early. I was giving that guy <laughs> yes. credit for so long. And he is just one of already. I'm seeing like, you know, Premier League fans being like, Actually, I'd like this guy in my midfield. Like, what he would? He's been absolutely running this league, and he was again absolutely outstanding throughout this ninety mm-hmm. minutes. He's just such a great technical. Like, again, his his passing, his ability to be that metronome that just keeps the play going, yeah. but then has those line breaking passes that just open fields up. Like, is honestly incredible. And I think Spalletti is just because that guy was getting lost at Napoli. He was having seasons. I think yeah. he had a few injuries. He wasn't getting selected. And then Spalletti's just come in and be like, no, you are the guy in the midfield yeah. that the whole team's going to be built around you. It's insane. And yeah, Cavada and Osimhen just again, again. I it's. I really hope they can get far in the Champions League. I really hope they can make a genuine push. Yeah, because I, genuinely, I can't see, I can't yeah. see beyond Real Madrid, a team at the moment that's better than them. It'd be interesting to see what the pathways could be, but... Mm-hmm. I would love Napoli to play Man City in the next round if they do Ooh. get paired up. Because I, I just fancied that tie would be so fascinating to watch. It just, really would. It, really it generally would, it would, really would be would. so fascinating. Yeah. I could see that being end-to-end stuff. Mm-hmm. But if we just talk just quickly on this as well, Farah missed the penalty. Farah. He did. He did. He missed the penalty. We forget about he that. He is human. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is human. But he yeah. had this one particular move where he just, I can't remember what happened, but he got himself onto crossbar and then pulled himself off the crossbar and went, let's start again. Let's start yeah. again. As to your point, and Zelinski was another player that did very similar. And I was looking at people's rankings in terms of ratings for the players. I didn't see a single player score below a seven if no, that like no, they were all yeah, like 7.9 eight it. like it was just like watching fm again like where yeah, you've got yeah, your yeah, yeah. incredible team just pulling it out of the bag like i just don't yeah. know how you stop this train it, it will only be self-destruction if it comes yeah, to it <laughs> that's the only it's it's someone yeah someone hitting the self-destruct button i don't know i feel like they've really got the characters in the team so like just the the personalities and the drive and the focus just seems so there. And I think like even mm. a player like Kim, who we talked about, got man of the match, right? Just yeah. everyone thought after Koulibaly left, like it had been such a long transfer saga of like how was, are Napoli yeah. going to get over this? And it had been like 10 years of him being linked elsewhere. And he, fi- he finally leaves and Napoli fans like, Christ, we've lost Insigne. <laughs> we've lost Mertens <laughs> yeah. and now we've lost Koulibaly. Like how the hell do we get anywhere near Europe next year? And Kim has come in, and I think he's been one of the best centre backs in Europe. <laughs> like, yeah, genuinely, he's come in and just been effortless. And again, his ability on the ball—the only game I recall him struggling, and I think against Inter he had a bit of a dodgy yes. game, and against Juve yeah. for a bit, I think he didn't have a great game against Juve. Yeah, yeah. But those are the two times I can remember being like, oh, "This guy looks shaky." The rest of the time, he's just always in the right always in the right place his ability to yeah, replay yeah. is unbelievable um you don't see him like sliding in for tackles often because he knows no. where he needs to be he's he's got great passing ability like he's just a super calm mm. like and that's what you need from a center back a calming influence who can just get the job done and i think he's just been fantastic and i think the fact that tottenham refused to pay 5 million more <laughs> than uh, than they wanted is just 
hilarious because you could have had him. Yeah. You could have had him. And now he's going to cost you twice as much if you want him because exactly. Napoli are just ramping those prices up. Um, hopefully are. Napoli can get them all signed on contracts because they do seem to be negotiating contracts with most of them. Um, so mm. hopefully they can get them wrapped up. But yeah, Kim absolutely crushing it. And I think he could be up there for, you know, like defender of the year or whatever. He's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Grab your quick thoughts then on Moani, who got sent off uh, for Frankfurt. What what did you make of that? I mean, obviously it stands red, right? up. Yeah, I think Ooh. so, but people were talking that they felt it was a bit harsh. I don't get that personally. I think I it studs up and he went yeah. in quite rashly. I think it was a dangerous, as far as I was aware, it was a dangerous tackle. And I yeah. thought, like, when the ref showed the red, there wasn't a single part of me that was like, oh. It was always like, yeah, yeah okay, exactly. right, cool. See you later, mate. Um, yeah, stupid tackle. And it just didn't need to be yeah. done. And now ruled himself out in the second leg for what was going to be a tricky game anyway. Exactly, um, yeah. I did see that Frankfurt have already slapped a £100 million price tag on him. Bloody... Chelsea ruining the game for everyone. Um, 100 million <laughs> for any bugger now. But we do yeah. need to move on. Napoli, get the job do done. Frankfurt have to go to Naples. And we're going to move to Wednesday night, last night. Mm. And we're going to go to the San Siro. Um, I kind of privately in my WhatsApps, and I think I said it on our um, pod WhatsApp yeah. group, that I was like, Inter are going to make hard work of this. Inter are going to make hard work of it. I said, oh, I've got tickets. I'm really excited. But Inter are going to make it look more difficult than it is. I was right. They were fucking terrible. <laughs> um, oh, God, they were so bad. They were so bad. And I think, now, obviously, oh, my vision, etc., may be clouded through whatever. But my overriding feeling was just, it was so slow. Like, Inter really? were just so slow. Every move was like, Mkhitaryan in, gen- in, like, yeah, in general course. had a really, really bad game. Really bad yeah. game. Um, I feel like even Barella wasn't great. Like Everyone in the team, just when they got the ball, you're waiting for everyone. Like, right, we've got the ball, go. And everyone mm. just kind of stood there. And the amount of times where Inter, under no pressure at all, just passed it back to the goalkeeper, passing it back to the centre-backs. Mm. It was just forever, just like that lack of willing to go forward. And I think what Inzaghi is sometimes guilty of is not making changes early enough or not not affecting games when when you can. Now, I thought he brought on Lukaku, which be, did make a difference. I think bringing on Brozovic made a huge difference. Taking Mkhitaryan off and getting Brozovic on instantly, you could see the legs in that midfield just yeah. go through the roof. He was everywhere and he was trying to get the ball forward. But there was... 70 minutes of Inter just passing it sideways. And Porto, from what I can see, had very little interest in getting forward. When they did get forward, though, they were more dangerous than Inter. And it was like, they had, like, Onana made a few saves and mm. made a few good saves. And you, in, I always felt like Porto were going to nick this 1-0. Porto were just going to mm. make this 1-0. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. when they are getting forward, like, Taremi up front for Porto had an unbelievable game. Incredible, yeah. Such an exciting player. Like, really, really good striker. Like, yeah. the... Christ, the Iranian guy we had on. Sorry, I forgot your name. The Iranian guy oh, we had yeah, on for the World yeah, Cup yeah. previews. He was going mad about Taremi, and he was absolutely right. Like, he was unbelievable last night. But Porto were more dangerous than that, and I think they had the better chances. Um, but yeah, what did you make of like you know what you saw? I, th- I think this is what the thing I was going to ask you is: Do you think Inzaghi deliberately played like that? Because it feels like, and let's just hear me out. 
Porto have got a very good record against Italian sides. They knocked mm-hmm. out previously Juve. They obviously knocked out AC Milan as well in the group stages previously as well. So they have got a bit of a history when it comes to Italian clubs. And obviously an ex-Inter player, if I'm not mistaken, is managing obviously Porto. So he would have been looking forward to this particular game. Um mm-hmm. But it did seem a bit Route 1-esque in terms of the way they were playing it around sometimes as well. So relying on Jekko to be the kind of man to do a lot of the attacks and he didn't really contribute as much. And as you allude to, Lukaku just seemed to add a bit more impetus, a bit more pace to the attacking line. And although I only managed to catch of the real match itself only the last 15 minutes and then I looked back at the um, highlights as well, like it just... Definitely felt like as soon as that red card happened, mm. like Porter were hanging on. Um, it, it, yeah, 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 yeah. I think the the red card kind of did let Inter into the game. Obviously, yeah. like it's gonna make a difference. I feel like the second half, Porter were hitting the deck every chance they had, and were just time wasting anyway. It was super cynical. I don't know how it what how it looked on TV, but in the stadium, it felt like every two minutes we were just like stopping waiting. <laughs> Look and like just kind of Jesus Christ, frustrating the crowds, crowd. yeah. Like really, fr- and like the thing is, also the game had loads of fights in it. It was a proper niggly little game. Like they were just proper going at each other, little fights everywhere, little scraps. It was really like there was a, a bubbling of tension as the game mm. went on, um, mm. which resulted in the red card, right? And then I think it was. Um, at that point, you kind of felt like, okay, Inter need to push for it now. Like, Lukaku's yeah. on. They kind of went for it. They got the goal. I was really happy to see Lukaku get his moment, get his goal. Like, I feel like that guy just needs confidence. Just get confidence. in like, just, yeah, that was great for him and for Inter. Um, the, when the goal went in, the stadium went absolutely fucking Oh, yeah. Like, you could sense that. You could sense <laughs> like, that. Like, <laughs> it was just this, this huge relief and, like, the whole place just exploded. Um, but I think... The problem for Inter is now they need to go and play in Porto, and mm. that is a rough place to go. That is not an easy stadium it's to not go to. Easy, no. Like they really could have done with an like you could always do with an extra goal, but they could they could, could have yeah. really done with an extra goal um, yeah. because I feel like going away uh, to Portugal is not going to be an easy ride, and Porto might be a bit more adventurous in that one because um, for yeah. for Porto to play the way they did and Onana still be arguably man of the match yeah, is like yeah. is an impressive thing it shows that they, they are dangerous um and but i think yeah Conte let's remember they pulled out a performance against barcelona way when they were against yes, the walls correct. so they yeah. have got that in their arsenal and i wanted to also ask you there's a clip that uncle sharma mm-hmm. fan of the pods obviously he shared this clip where it was onana having a go at jeko and i was just curious mm. how did that come across when you were watching it I think people were definitely on on Nana's side. Mm. I think people could see where the frustration came from, and yeah. the frustration was in the stands. Like, and yeah. it was quite funny because obviously, I like when I'm in the stadium, I support Inter because I want Inter to win when I'm yeah, there, right? But I'm not obviously as passionate as Tommy and his friends about Inter, <laughs> right? So, like, I'm a bit more detached from it, and we can kind of talk about it. And one of his mates, Gianluca, kept turning around to me and being like. Oh, it's not great. It's not great. Oh, the, the players are quite nervous. I was like, John, look at the whole stadium is nervous. I can feel <laughs> it. Like everyone in the stadium is shitting themselves and the Inter players are shitting themselves. And every time I've seen Inter in a knockout game at the San Siro, 
the players have shat themselves. And it's just, <laughs> you can see the nerves off everything. I think it was from mm. the first minute, I was like, Inter aren't fancying this at all. They're just so mm. scared of losing. And I think, but, and that kind of fed into the, because Jekyll did nothing when he was on the pitch. He's like, nothing yeah. stuck to him. He wasn't able to get anything created. And I think the people were just, the fans were getting annoyed at, the defence was doing fine in general. Yeah, it's the yeah. fact that they weren't attacking. The attackers yeah. weren't doing sod all. So when Jekyll starts having a pop at Onana or whatever, people are trying to make, like, you need to get Fuck your head in there because Onana's the guy keeping us in the bloody game. Exactly. Like, so I think, yeah, people were definitely, um, there was a lot of frustration in that stadium, a lot of frustration. Yeah. But ultimately, we came out of the stadium uh, Inter had won 1-0 and we all thought well it doesn't matter does it there you go 1-0 win <laughs> we'll take that um, but like, and again literally a minute after the goal went in all calmed ourselves down and stuff and then we all just went we didn't deserve that no no we didn't deserve no. that did we nope did not deserve that did not deserve that we'll take it before we um, leave so, yeah. though what was the atmosphere like in terms of I saw the famous kind of scenes of the permanent beacon shining its light how was it that was, in the stadium it was Incredible. I always love I it really stood out to me that like because now Liverpool were booing the UA for anthem for obvious reasons, right? For that whole Fair enough. Yeah, absolute yeah, yeah. shit state yeah. of the final. Fully support that, right? Um Man City always boo the UEFA thing, not quite sure why, but they do. Um, and it felt <laughs> quite nice to be at one where they were singing the anthem. I know it's to UEFA, but it's a beautiful anthem. And when the San Siro all together just screams like the champions, yeah. it's fucking insane. It's insane. The choreography looked great. The whole thing was like, yeah, it they definitely had seen what happened when Milan were playing Spurs and were like, right, mm. we've got to try and like, and I said it, I think on Monday show where I was like, we've got to try and one up this. And I think they got pretty close. I think they got pretty close. It was really, yeah, right. the atmosphere is fantastic. And <clears throat> we spent the whole time just talking about how much we love the San Siro because it's becoming more and more, it's, it's feeling more and more real that it could actually get knocked down. Like the yes. yeah, the stories in Milan are getting a little bit more concrete about it. Happening I am definitely going to try and take a game before it gets demolished. You that have is to, man. on the cards. You have to. We cards, will definitely. we will take you there so you can't remember the game. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but we like people are talking about it now like it's a fact. It's it's not. It's yeah. gone from oh, have you heard they're knocking the San Siro down to like yeah, when they knock it down, that's going to be like so. It's it seems like it's happening. So it was. Yeah, it it, does it, it felt like cards. a real. Last night we all just like stood there after the game and we were just staring at the stadium. God damn it! Like, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. It's one of my yeah. favorite places on earth. I absolutely love the San Siro. Um, good. Uh, before I start crying, um, let's <laughs> go and talk very quickly about Man City RB Leipzig. Yes. Anything to say? I've not really seen any of this because I was occupied. But... <clears throat> so it's one of those where Man City dominated the first 25 minutes before they scored a goal. Um, and thereafter, Leipzig kind of put a lot of pressure on Man City. And because it was basically, they had a better share of possession, definitely in the second half. Shabashlai coming close a number of times. In particular, there's one routine from a corner where he shoots and Edison is scrambling across just to claw it out of the goal and get out for a corner. I think he's a player that should be potentially in a Premier League or a bigger club at some stage. But I'm sure it will happen because mm -hmm. he's a talented guy. Um, but that said, they completely deserve their goal. Kvadiol, the guy from Croatia, yeah. was incredible. 
He was obviously a Man City rumoured target. I'm sure that'll be an extra hundred million on his price tag. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. After that goal, but um, yeah, what can we say? I think it was tighter than I anticipated. I said it would probably go the way of Man City. It was looking in that way. And Kunku didn't play in this particular match, but he scored a hat trick last time he was at the Etihad. Um, so it'd be interesting to see in the return leg what happens. And don't forget. Jesse Marsh was the manager. This time they've got Marco Reusser, who's a bit more pragmatic with his style, shall we say. He can play football as well and yeah, play it a yeah, bit yeah. more open and expansive, but I think Reusser's kind of learned through the last few years from his experiences. Yeah. Obviously, Borussia Dortmund wasn't a great He's kind of been bullied the last couple of years. Marco Reusser's had a couple much. of years. In his pretty last much. few jobs, it's been pretty rough. It's been pretty yeah, rough. Yeah, but yeah. he's coming out the other end. Looks like he's got potentially directors that trust him, you know, in his vision as well. And I think he's probably the right fit for them. But it does open up that second leg because I think the fact that Pep didn't make a substitution tells a lot about the fact that he didn't want to disrupt the team and the fact that he kind of thought that if he does change it, that might open it up for Leipzig, which is... I feel I like he know. sets it's himself strange. random challenges during games. He's like, should I just try and win a Champions League game with no subs? Yeah, let's do it. And I feel like he just sets himself random things to try and make his life more difficult. Like, <laughs> Maybe why? he's just bored. Like, he's just yeah, bored. he could just Let be me put bored Jack Grealish as a centre-back. Let's see what happens, right? <laughs> Stick Edison up front. I oh, know that one's been done. That one's been done. Um, but I think, yeah, it's... I don't know. It's, it's such a mad one. Why not just make a sub? But anyway, I think maybe with the second leg in mind or something, I don't know. Who knows? I will never be able to comprehend how Pep Guardiola thinks. I don't think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it does make the second tie a bit more interesting than we kind of anticipated, I suppose. Yeah. From an Arsenal point of view, I'm delighted because they're going to have to play yes, a full strength exactly. 11 again. So good. Um, <laughs> so that's nice. That is nice. Well, I was afraid they were going to win like 4-0 and they could just play your reserve yeah, side in exactly. the second leg. But no can yeah, yeah. do. So that's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to move on from the Champions League and do a very, very quick bit of Europa League Conference League. Yes. As we speak... Manchester United are now winning 2-1 against oh. Barcelona. Um, they've come from 1-0 down, a Lewandowski penalty. Fred getting a goal. Yeah, and Anthony in the 73rd minute. That's currently at the 82nd minute. Come on, Barca, for God's sake. Um, Union Berlin, 3, oh. Ajax, 1. Um, Knocke getting the first goal from the penalty spot. Uh, Juranovic makes it 2-0 on yeah. the 44th. Kudos makes it 2-1 in the 47th. Yeah. Love Kudos. Want to see that guy yes. at Arsenal at some point. Definitely. And then Doki scores in the 50th. Man, that was a mad five minutes, six minutes uh, to make it 3-1. And that looks like it is heading, well, Union Berlin pulling off one of the shocks of the tournament so far. Yeah. This season, they are having incredible. Um, Ren are currently beating Shakhtar Donetsk 1-0. Uh, Roma are 2-0 up against Salzburg. They are currently mm. turning over, overturning the deficit. Belotti... We've been talking about him. <laughs> Belotti gets his goal and Dybala scores. Been so key for Roma this year. And in the yes. Conference League, Lazio scraped through 0-0 against Cluj. Yep. Um, 1-0. The goalkeeper, now I need to get his name, the Cluj goalkeeper, uh, Scuffe, made an unbelievable like triple, quadruple mm. at one point. If you've not seen it, absolutely mind-blowing that. Um, and... Basel currently winning 2-0. Lech Poznan, a 1-0 up against Bodo Glimt. Mate, Polish representation going through. Yeah, and it's from a Swedish striker, Ishak, as well. So, um, 
Yeah, could be could be on the cards. Obviously, they've just got to play out these next seven minutes plus stoppage time, and they could be through. We wow, will that would keep... be that would be brilliant for them. We'll keep an eye on that one across the rest of the episode, I think. Um, And very quickly, to go back to the Europa League, because I completely forgot, Leifekusen beat Monaco 10-8 on penalties. Bloody hell. Juve went through 3-0, 4-1 on aggregate. That Di Maria goal, what a hit. The absolute loop. Jolly had a game as well, by all accounts. Mm. The loop on that Di Maria hit is unbelievable. PSV get 2-0. Now, this one was a shocker. They were losing 3-0. PSV yeah. come back to 3-2. And the ref, uh, Orsato, the Italian guy, had an absolute nightmare at the end. Um, there was So PSV scored the goal. There was loads of time wasting. And mm. he basically went, they get the ball kicked off, and then he just blew his whistle straight away. And all the PSV players were like, where the f- is the rest of the added time? He completely lost control at the end of that game. I think he oh. sent off one of the severe coaches. It was like he had to basically wow. get escorted off the pitch. Um, and for Midtjylland, they had ugh, an absolute battering at Stinker. home. Um, 4-0 <laughs> at Sporting. But if you have not seen it, I apologise. His name is Garton Man. I'm really sorry because you won't want to be reminded <laughs> of this. But if you haven't seen the own goal, I've put it on our Twitter oh. feed so you can go and find it. It is one of the greatest own goals I've ever seen and something I've definitely done at five-a-side. I've definitely done that at some point. Just passed <laughs> it backwards, not seeing where the goalkeeper is, and then, oh, fuck. <laughs> I've definitely done that. It's a shocker, right? It is an absolute shocker. All I can say is definitely Sunday league at its best. That's all oh, I can say. It's the way he tries to do like quite a quick, clever pass. Almost like a Cruyff like, turn, the shoulder, doesn't he? Cruyff boom, turn. And then he looks and the keeper's just stood there with his arms up like <laughs> nowhere near the goal. Like nowhere near it. So that kind of put the shitty cherry on top of a pretty shitty ice cream for Midgetland as they lost 4-0. Um, that's so unlucky. I think they won the first leg or drew the first leg, didn't they? 5-1, 1-0. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that is the European review. As you can see, I'm scrolling through my phone. That is the European view for now. review for now. We will keep you updated with how Lech get on and the final scores. Yes. But we do need to go to a weekend preview. It's a big weekend. We've got mm-hmm. some big derbies. We've got some A Cup final. final we will yeah. see you on the other side. Hi, I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we are. We are back and it is time for the weekend preview to take you through all Mm -hmm. the football in action in England and in Italy. And of course, we are starting in England with the Carabao Cup final. It's the big one, folks. The first trophy of the year. If you don't catch, if you don't count the charity shield, nobody does. So it's the first trophy of the year. And this is an intriguing one. We have Eddie Howe and his magpies um, up against <laughs> Ten Hogs, Tricky Reds. Um, and it's going to be an interesting one, I think. I still, since the semifinals, I've been saying I think Newcastle will win it. Um, mm. I've been saying I think 
it feels like the momentum is there. It feels like, you know, this is the start of their new era, right? Uh, the first trophy yeah. on the start to many. It, it, at that point, Man United weren't doing quite as well as they are doing now, and it feels like it could be a little bit closer. Um, so it's two teams in really good form. Newcastle yeah. dropped a little bit recently. They like have, a yeah. lot of what were wins are turning into draws. Like mm. They have drawn a mad amount of games this year. Whereas United, and as we speak, they're still beating Barcelona. Um are going on a ridiculous run at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about where you think the key matchups are, but how do you see who do you see lifting the trophy before we look at the performances? If I was to base it on form alone at this moment in time, it'd probably be Man United. Mm. Um, just feels like they've got a slight bit of edge. But the one thing I would say is it comes to a cup final, it doesn't matter about form because as we've seen in the past, like the likes of Birmingham City when they made it against Arsenal, that was all out of the window. As soon me. as Foychik Chesney pulled off that, that shot. <laughs> <laughs> I had to remind you. Sorry, Rory. Um, but yeah, I, I, there is vibes of that purely because I think Bruno Gumeres, he comes back into this. Mm-hmm. And that might change that dynamic in terms of why Newcastle haven't been doing so well of late yeah. and why they may perform better in the final. Granted, there is the issue in goal where Nick Pope isn't going to be there, but Carius, by all accounts, look, I think what people forget about was he had a fantastic run going into that mm-hmm. famous final where obviously he made that bit of a blunder. And it has to be said, Three that Sergio, Sergio Ramos did knock him out. Yeah. And it comes yeah, out yeah, yeah. that he had yeah. concussion yeah. during that period yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what's forgotten about him. But that doesn't mean he's a bad goalkeeper. I think he would do a solid enough job, provided that the defenders in front of him, etc., work hard and yeah. do what they've been doing so far. So I'm really looking forward to the final itself. I think it's nice that we've got someone different as well in the fact that it's Newcastle United and also we have to hand it, you know, it's been a while for Man United and Andy to get excited for once. So let him jizz in his pants and enjoy the moment, right? That's all I can say. Um, but yeah, uh, but- I hope not. But yeah, we can see. We can see. I think, look, I know, I think what Ten Hag is doing at United is obviously incredibly impressive. Like the way he's turned around that culture at the club so quickly and how yes. he's got everyone pulling yeah, in the same yeah. direction. I think even like handling like the Harry Maguire thing and Ronaldo, he's just handled it also incredibly well. And I mm-hmm. think you can feel this momentum picking up behind them, but it's the same about Newcastle. There's momentum behind them. They've got a manager who's kind of brought in this new culture at the club. He's brought in players that are his, the players that are there have brought into it. The players that are there, he's improved. Like it's two clubs that are on the same kind of trajectory. You could just yeah. argue that United have maybe got a slightly better caliber of player in general, mm-hmm. but I think they're two clubs that like, this is the start of a rise for them. If you know what I mean? So I think it's really fascinating, but there's a few matchups like you've said that I'm quite intrigued about. I think, um, Bruno Gomes in midfield, um, yep. he changes that completely because I think the United mm-hmm. midfield is still an area where I think they would like improvement, right? Yep. Um, they would they would like to bolster some of the like get a defensive midfielder at some point would be nice. I know they got Casemiro, but someone else to give him a hand, yes, exactly. Like, so I think Bruno Gomes against like Fred would kind of worry me if I was a United mm-hmm. fan. Although again, Fred has been better this season, but I also think. Kieran Trippier against Luke Shaw, if I remember. Kieran Trippier is a right back, right? Luke Shaw. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That Luke Shaw Trippier thing. See who can get past each other the most. If you know what I mean. I think like yeah. the, the strength of both those teams is on that wing. So it's going to be one of the strengths. So I think that like 
it'll be really interesting because I think with United, obviously Rashford's been unbelievable. But I think a lot of teams might think if you just shut down Rashford, then you might shut down United. So you might get Newcastle yeah. just trying to close down. Because I think look, Van Horst seems like a lovely bloke and he works his balls off, but I don't think he's going to score you many goals. And I think Sancho is coming back. He scored a few goals, but yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. in that full form yet. Not I yet. think Newcastle could formulate a plan for Rashford obviously easier said than done but that's what mm -hmm. makes that left wing so key because that is the side that Trippier is going to be on and it's the side with Shaw so I think that side of the pitch is all going to be where the game's almost yeah. won and lost like what do you think which matchups are you looking forward to I think um for me it'll be very interesting to see how Joe Linton actually mm -hmm. plays off the striker as well because I think that's going to be a fascinating one and I don't know if Isak is going to be really pinnacle in terms mm -hmm. of how he plays against the likes of is it Martinez is it Varane or is it going to be someone else uh Lindelof's come back into the fray mm -hmm. so again does he kind of cause a dilemma because he hasn't played too badly I think he's more of a stopgap than anything yeah. else um but I think you're right in saying I think it'll be down the wings it'll be between Shaw and uh Kieran Trippier and I fancy Trippier for this one because yeah. if you saw in the last game Leicester, Leicester seemed to exploit that left-hand side quite a bit. And that's due to the fact that they had Garnacho in front of Luke Shaw. And that exposes that kind of left-hand side because Garnacho doesn't do necessarily the defensive duties. Mm -hmm. And I think that drags out Luke Shaw, which then drags across the centre-backs. Now, if Eddie Howe and his team can work on that and how they can just carve those opportunities, that's going to be the area to exploit. Mm. I think that is. And if Harry Maguire does turn up for this match, I'm not saying he's terrible, but I think he has a clangor in him as well. So again, they could exploit that. But I think the main one will be in terms of the wing play, as you allude mm -hmm. to. I think that'd be interesting. Um, from a Man United perspective, it is just how can you expose the centre-backs? And I think... Rashford for pace is going to be dangerous. And I think if you're going to expose Newcastle, it's going to be down to decision-making. So it's going to be maybe being a bit more direct because I think if you give Newcastle time, they will just go through you. They will just mm -hmm. make sure that they get the ball first. So it's about how quickly they can advance it to the final third and make those kind of transitions well, that, and pivots yeah. really quickly, right? Well, that's why, like, from an Arsenal point of view, that's why we didn't beat Newcastle. We weren't quick enough. We gave them time yeah. to, to to keep their shape and, and win the ball back. Like, you need to be quick against them and you need to be incisive. And they are still the best defence in the league, I think, at the moment. Um, the best, yeah. Like, yeah if, yeah, if not one of, I'd have to double-check that. But I think, yeah... They've been incredible and it's going to be an interesting cup final. I think no matter what happens or who wins, it's a genuinely big win for both teams. Mm -hmm. It's like a big yeah. moment for both teams. And I think, um, yeah, it'll be an exciting one. That is on Sunday, right? The cup it final. It is on Sunday, Tuesday yeah. on Sunday, yeah. Um, we'll see you there, I suppose. We will see you there. But mm. um, on the Premier League, there is other football going on in the Premier League. And we do have some quite intriguing matches on today as you are watching listening we have Fulham taking on Wolves um mm -hmm. Wolves a little bit resurgent under Lopetegui Fulham 
absolutely huge win against Brighton, still pushing for Europe. That could be a really interesting one. Um, Everton against Aston Villa. Now, this is the game that has been played the most in English Football League history. Um, I think this is the 120th meeting between the two teams. Um, and Aston Villa's record. I, now, I need to, because I think it's Aston Villa's record against Everton or Everton's record against Aston Villa. One of them has a terrible record against the other. Let's see. Um, it is. Um, so I'm looking at uh, this. Wait, no, Aston uh, Villa have won the last four, three, three so far of the last four. Um, exactly. Aston Villa have drawn the previous one. Otherwise, yeah, I think it's much more in favour of Aston Villa. Um, I'm going back as far as 2016 when Everton last beat Aston Villa and that was a 3-1 win for Everton that day and that was at Aston Villa's ground. But last time Everton won on their ground was back in 2015, a 4-0 win for Everton. So it's been a long time. It is a long old drought. That is a long old drought. Against like no disrespect to Villa, but it's not like... (laughs) <laughs> That's a long old drought. So that'll be an interesting one. That Everton obviously yeah. been massively up and down since Dyche came in. Um, yep. Kind of that big win against Arsenal and sod all else afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. typical. Um, yep. <laughs> big win against Leeds, though. That was a huge moment. It was. Um, but this could be an interesting one. Aston Villa's defence has been really leaky recently. Um, they're starting to concede a lot more goals. And they conceded more in the last three games than they did in the first four of Emery's like, time mm. in charge. So he needs to fix that, fix that defence. Because Everton, they're going to cause you problems. It's just if you can cause them more problems because they are leaky. So, Rory, based on last week, Emery obviously didn't like Martinez for his actions. Do you think he is bold enough to change him for this match? No, 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 no. No? No? I think think Emery very much is, he's just going to be like, look, we've talked about it. It's done. Don't do it again. Get on basically. with it. Yeah, do it again and you, you, I'll shoot you out. out the back. Yeah, um, yeah, we do. That is on Saturday at 3 o'clock uh, UK time, of course. Mm-hmm. We have Leicester City taking on Arsenal. I was at the return leg of this one in the Arsenal Stadium uh, with the Leicester fans, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was an incredible 4-1, 4-2 win, I think. Um, Leicester, again, looking a little bit resurgent until they came up against United. This is one that Arsenal need to win. We'll see how it goes. Then down at the bottom, West Ham taking on Nottingham Forest. Now, West Ham, after last weekend, they really did not have a good weekend. They're currently 18th on 20 points, one win in the last five. Forest up in 13th on 25 points, two wins in the last five, only lost one in the last five. Um, This feels like it could be an other... Very difficult afternoon for West Ham, but this is a game that they need to be winning. They do, they do. Uh, I think the fascinating thing, I don't know if you've seen this, Rory, um, not in Forest, they've got 11 players out for injury, so they've got a whole team worth of players out injured. <laughs> that includes Dean Henderson, so they've got pretty much a full Jesus. 11 that they could really surface. But yes, Nottingham Forest have been resurgent, they've been playing very well, they played very well against Man City. Um, I, and you know what? I think they're starting to get a blend. I'm starting to think Morgan Gibbs White is justifying that 45 million that was spent in the summer last year. But if he keeps more them kudos off. to, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's all about Johnson as well. Johnson's yeah. been incredible, unbelievable, yeah, incredible. Yeah. So, and then I it, do... it looks like they've come together now, it's yeah, like it actually sorted out the issues they had pre season and during the first part of the early stages. You just got to 
praise the board for backing Steve Cooper as well. It was yeah. very easy to have and, sacked him. Absolutely. And we were kind of like half laughing when they signed Kilo Navas on loan. And we were like, did they know that they can only play one keeper <laughs> at a time? Well, he was unbelievable against he City. Was. He made some amazing yeah. saves. And now Henderson's injured. They're like, yep, yeah, we've got another world-class yeah, keeper. Exactly. Don't worry about it. You've seen this guy. He's, he's won five <laughs> Champions Leagues, right? This guy is fine. He's fine. He was unbelievable. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it could be another difficult afternoon for West Ham. I'm genuinely... A friend of the show, Tom, said he wants to come on. He's yeah. going to come on at some point. But he said, we cannot talk about West Ham. <laughs> he said, I refuse to talk about West Ham. It is starting to look pretty scary for them. And this is I a think big... So. Big weekend for them. Also down at the bottom, a run of mad important games for Leeds. They've just lost to Everton, and now mm -hmm. they're coming up against Southampton. So one point separates these two teams. Southampton, Ooh. of course, fresh from beating Chelsea. They are still bottom on 18. Leeds in 19th on 19 points. No wins in forever. Three, two losses back to back, just not looking good for them. Do you think that the momentum from Southampton's win against Chelsea sees them get the job done against Leeds? I think they have a slight swing at the moment. And that mm. is going to be interesting because we've obviously got a new dynamic with Leeds, new manager, Gracia. As there well. is new we manager bounce. So there is that. Um, but I think the contract's a bit weird. I don't know if you saw it, Rory. He's on until the end of the season where they will assess his contracts, which basically it means yeah. he's not the first choice. They're going to see if that first choice is going to be available in the summer. But if you save us, we might consider you. So it's basically, I think there's a little sweetener for him. Stay yeah. up, you probably get a million or two just for mm -hmm. keeping them up potentially. But yeah, I think they've got a good side. I think this might be a draw. Personally, I think this okay. might be a draw. I think it might be easier for... Leeds slash Southampton, I think it'll be a tougher match for them as well because I think Southampton were cast very easily by Chelsea, but they just weren't clinical. That was the mm. difference. And Chelsea were poor. They weren't great, it has to be said. They made it easy for Southampton. Um, so, yeah, be fascinating to watch. I, I think it'll be draw, though. We will see elsewhere. We have Bournemouth mm. taking on Manchester City. Come on, Bournemouth. I'm a praying for a miracle, <laughs> and I'm just going to look at when was the last time Bournemouth beat City. Now, this is going to be a very long oh, time ago, isn't it? This might be... Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm kind of running out of scrolls already. Um, not for <laughs> a very long time, so I'm not going to hold my breath, but that could be... And maybe it's a tricky one. They drew to Forest. Who knew? Um, then, late on Saturday, or later on Saturday, Crystal Palace against Everton. This is a bit of an intriguing one. Uh, against Everton, against Liverpool, sorry. Liverpool, uh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a bad one. Um, against Liverpool. We've talked about Crystal Palace so much, but that Eze goal last weekend was absolutely oh. beautiful. The ball from Lise is absolutely incredible. Um, that's why we love Palace. But do you think they can get a win against Liverpool? Liverpool fresh off that humiliation. I think it's going to be a tough one because you just don't know which kind of Palace side decide to turn up. I think, obviously, they'll be kicking themselves that they didn't keep that kind of lead against Brentford in the mid-weekend uh, game anyway. Mm -hmm. But Liverpool, as you allude to, um, they're going to be sore. They're going to be painful. But they've got players coming back. Firmino, Jota as well seem to be coming back at the right time. So I wonder if they'll get a bit of a uh, run out in this particular match. Um, but I think, you know what, Liverpool are there to be got out as well. Essentially, they don't seem very solid, as we alluded to. I think, yeah, this could be an interesting matchup. I'm going to gonna say it's going to be another draw, though. 
I'm going to say it's another, but a score draw. I think it might be like a two all. Nice. I like it. And then finally on Sunday, if you're oh, before the final, I imagine. Yeah, probably before the final. We have Tottenham taking on Chelsea. Now, London Derby, mm. lovely. Usually yeah. you're thinking, okay, Tottenham are going to batter him, right? Surely. You, you would expect it to happen like that. But, yeah, Spurs aren't great well, against lads Chelsea. Lads, it's Tottenham. Is that what we're <laughs> it's lads, say? it's yeah. Tottenham. That's <laughs> yeah. <this> famous. Yeah. <laughs> and if Potter is to get anything to keep himself in the job, this could be a big match to make a mark and show what he's worth. A um, lot of scepticism about whether he'll actually do a performance against Spurs. But if there's a time and a place, then this is the time and place to do it, right? So let's wait and see. But yeah, Spurs don't look terrible, but they are as well at the same time. You, mm-hmm. They're just Spursy. Let's put it that way. Just, yeah. Who knows what is going to happen when they get on the pitch? But Adam, mm-hmm. do you want to take us through the yes. Serie A fixtures? Let us discuss a bit of Serie A. So let us start off by talking about Saturday's game. So just quickly double check there wasn't a cheeky Friday fixture that I had. Not this off. weekend. Not this weekend, but we start off with a bit of a late edition run in terms of Saturday because at 5 o'clock we've got Empoli taking on Napoli and then at 7.45 we've got your favourites Lecce taking on Sassuolo. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But um, let's talk about Napoli. Do you think, Rory, this is going to be straightforward for them or do you think maybe a Vicario performance might frustrate Napoli I think this could be a game that frustrates them it could like Empoli we've talked about them a lot this season really like just a wonderful team to watch very adept at what they do at home they're pretty strong but I think Napoli should get enough done here um it could be a tricky one. Yeah, Vicario in goal, you don't know. But I just I'm just gonna guess that Napoli win every game now. I that's, that's what happens, right? I feel like Caputo is almost there to get in a goal as well. Ooh. Every game I've seen him, he comes he very closer, close. Closer. Very close. Yeah, closer so and closer. Maybe, maybe. 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 Um, just to put you in the right household as well, we'll just say Sassuolo definitely beats Lecce, right? So Exactly. Uh, I want to sleep in my abuse. bed tonight, not on the sofa. So, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> right. We'll move on to Sunday's game. So, we'll start off 11.30. It is Bologna taking on Inter. Seems like quite straightforward for Inter. But Bologna have been in incredible form haven't they Rory so which way does this go they have been smashing it under Thiago Motta now yeah. I'm just going to get the um their run up this is on Sunday isn't it there we go um yes. so in their last few games Bologna have now um they've beaten Sampdoria they lost to Monza but then they beat Fiorentina beat Spezia mm-hmm. drew with Cremonese like their form has definitely been improving um so I think this could be a tricky game. We've seen Inter make hard work of a lot of teams as well this year. Yeah. Um, not just Porto, but Lecce away and Monza and they kind of a few teams where he kind of they made it hard work. So I think Bologna could put a bit of a battle up here. Mm-hmm. But Inter have a point to prove after I know they got the win, but after that performance, I think they do have to start showing that they can kind of win games convincingly again. So it'll be an interesting one. But I'm going to say Bologna at least get a goal in this one. They at least get a goal. Yes. And it's going to be Orsolini because he's in my fanta culture. 
Exactly, exactly. Right, I'm going to skim through these next two matches because I'm conscious of time, but also we want mm-hmm. to talk about the last game and that's the late kickoff on Sunday. So before we get to that, Salernitana and there's a Paolo Sosa who in the week ruined Piontek by saying he's not sharp enough, he's not quick enough. They take on Monza. Monza obviously off the back of a defeat against AC Milan. Could do with a win. Perfect place by turning up at Salernitana, right, Rory? Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, just what you need, got... exactly, right? Why would you need to go anywhere else? Um, and then you've got Udinese taking on the other team that's not doing so well, and that's Spezia. That's the five PM kickoff on Sunday. But Rory, let's talk about the seven forty-five kickoff game, which is the tasty one. It is AC Milan versus Atalanta. Atalanta obviously off the back of that defeat against Lecce, but Milan obviously back to winning ways as well. How do you expect this matchup to go? Do you think there'll be a tactical game here or do you think it'll be an open, expansive game of football? Well, I just firstly want to say we got our spicy Sundays back, right? I'm like, quite. there's been a few weeks where I've been like, oh, this Sunday kickoff hasn't been particularly entertaining. Roma versus Hallas Verona. Just as you you start to lose faith, Santiago, boom, Milan Atalanta. Take that. There's your Sunday night. Um, Yeah, I'm super excited about this. Um, I think it could be a bit of a free-for-all. We've seen that like Atalanta are very much, we got our old Atalanta back, etc. We've kind of been talking about it. Um, I think they're only going to go and attack. Milan... They've been quite rigid, I think, mm. and just trying to be like, you know, back to basics, get the simple things done, get the win, move on. And I think this is the first time that they're going to come up against a an, a team that's going to come and attack them. Like Sassuolo, mm. even though it was pretty 5-2 or whatever it was, Sassuolo yeah. didn't really need to do a lot of attacking in that game. They just <laughs> scored every time they went forward. But I think like they're coming up against a team that's going to go for the throat. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Milan deal with this because it's their first big test in a while, I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least since the, the derby, right? Since so the I derby, think, yeah. yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one. Atalanta, we know leaky at the back, but score shit ton of goals. So I think there could be a few goals in this game. I'm going to say, uh, let's say there's seven goals. Sod it. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'll definitely be tuned in based on that prediction. And this game week actually extends towards Tuesday, Rory, because on Monday, we've got Hellas Verona taking on Fiorentina. That's the 7.30 kickoff. And then 7.45, that classic Lazio versus Sampdoria. In those 80s and 90s years, I'm sure that would have been a game to watch. But these days, unfortunately, it seems like it could be a Lazio home win here. Mm -hmm. And then quickly go into Tuesday night, which is Cremonese taking on Roma. That's a 5.30 kickoff. Why do they do that at 5.30 kickoff? I don't (laughs) understand. But, Rory, the big one I wanted to call out, you Because nobody wants to watch Cremonese. They're just like, they're not going to win. Let's put it on that (laughs) 4.30 kickoff. Why not? Um, Anyway. Tuesday, Torino versus Juventus. This is at Juventus grounds. How do we expect this to play? You've got the famous shirt in the background for those that are watching. We want Torino to win. Unfortunately, I think the form of Juve is going to destroy them. And you've got a classic Torino fan, I believe, at your workplace. 
he probably is dreading it, is he, Rory? Yes, he's absolutely, absolutely cacking himself because they know exactly what's going to happen. They know that it's, <laughs> it feels, yeah, it just feels inevitable, doesn't it? The fact that Torino didn't beat them earlier in the season when Juve were like in that proper, like, you know, the really yeah, poor start of the season, rut. they were in a yeah. slump and they lost like 1 0 to like a late goal. And it was just like, if Torino didn't even win that, you're like, okay, yeah, Juve are on fire at the minute. Torino mm. have just lost. It kind of feels like it can only go one way, but it's at Derby, so you never know. We're just going to pray that Torino finally get a win against Juve. It's becoming a bit of a joke now. If, if not, Rory, Juventus fans are just going to play that Wojciech Szczesny meme. It's happened again. Again. It's <laughs> yeah, happened it's again. again. <laughs> no, exactly. exactly. And it does always happen again. I did When I was in Torino the weekend, I saw a few people walking around in Torino jackets, and I was just like, oh, beautiful. yes. Respect. Yes. Yeah, good bloody! I wanted to salute them as they walked down the yeah. street. Like, yeah, it was, it was. Uh, yeah, can I buy you a coffee, those... Fern? Yeah, that's yeah. It. fair play to those patient people. I do not have that yeah. much patience. But that is the weekend wrapped up. It is annoying that Serie A goes on till Tuesday, and do you know why? Because I have to wait for my Fanta Calcio result until Wednesday, and it's so do. annoying. Yeah. I hate that it drags on till Tuesday. But hey, more football. So we can't argue, right? <laughs> we get to watch more football. Exactly. And if you're lucky enough to watch Roma Cremonese on a Tuesday afternoon, oh, I I honestly, I envy your life. Um, but <laughs> I think, guys, we're going to call it a day there. Yes, um, we are. I think we've covered everything. Um, before I send you off with our customary quote of the week, Adam, do you have anything to say to these lovely people? I think just to say we were planning on discussing it, but we're not going to because we don't feel we have enough information. But there is the story that's going to come out probably as you listen to this on Friday about the UK government announcing a independent regulator. I'm sure we'll cover it in future shows if we have more detail. But just to say, listener, we had it planned, but we don't have enough information at this stage. But otherwise, Rory, look forward to this weekend's games and look forward to joining you on Monday night. And one other call out quickly. If you don't already do so, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are two off 200 subscribers. Now, that isn't a lot, but please just get any of your friends just to go subscribe. And that's it. That's all we want. It's done. That's all we've done. Thank you. Nice. But- Good. So for our customary quote, this came up on my Twitter last week and I thought I've got to squeeze it in somewhere. And this is an interview with the Palmeiras manager, Abel Ferreira, where he speaks about his thought process behind picking a team on Football Manager. So do you remember the game Football Manager? And he says, the way I saw it, the great challenge comes not when you are those big teams, but when you are competing against them with fewer resources. So I always train small teams. Teams from the second division, like Penafiel in Portugal, where I started my playing career, or Braga, or teams who never win titles. Someone like Tottenham. (laughs) We'll see you on Monday, guys. Thanks for joining us. Ciao, ciao. Podcast Network.